Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Horbert, joined as always by my good, good friend, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how's it going today? It's going all right, Riley. Feeling, feeling fresh. Feeling good. Dude, that's a that's a good way to feel. Not gonna lie. Had a big weekend this weekend. Got yes. to hang out with the got to hang out with the boys up in Michigan. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We got to go to a friend's wedding. I got to cube a little bit while we were there. Um, you didn't solve the cube this time, unfortunately. I, I was not. I was not particularly confident in uh, in my cubing decks this time. I felt like I had some fun combos, but nothing particularly strong. Uh, yeah. It was a shame because I would have liked to see that Kingdra deck do a little bit better. <laughs> Your Kingdra deck was cool. <laughs> I liked it a lot. It had the Solgaleo that accelerated energy to the bench, and then you had both Kingdras, and so it was a. Is I should we should preface this. Andrew made this uh, singleton cube with um, dual lines of everything. So there's there's only at maximum two of any one Pokemon. So two Kingdra that are singleton. You know, two Cedra that are singleton, two Horsey that are singleton. Just as an example. And they call so, it the, the Noah's Ark cube because there's two of everything wow that's beautiful <laughs> so i ended up making a kingdra deck that i thought was going to be super good but i ended up just i only had three attackers which i think was my main issue <laughs> yeah that sounds like it is well because i had i had ways to recover them like i had a rescue stretcher and i had you know, and they're big beefy stage twos, right? So I'm like, yeah. okay, well, if I can, you know, it's only a four prize game, so how many attackers do I really need? <laughs> but uh, turns out, turns out more than three. I, th- I think I needed like a stage one or something. I, yeah. I think those are the most successful decks, are the ones that could utilize stage ones effectively. Yeah, or like a variety of different attackers, like different stages. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The basics, especially that that Lugia was. So Lugia was disgusting. In the second cube draft, I ended up winning with basically the same deck that you played in the first cube draft, though. Um, but I played all of the breaks. <laughs> I played, like, yeah, that that was my mistake. So so there was a I, in the first cube draft, I played a Radiant Eevee deck with a bunch of dragon type Pokemon, and so the dragons all evolve from different types. So you have like Dark and Colorless, the the Noivern and the Noibad and the um, you know, the Hydreigon, they all have these different types. So you can utilize Radiant Eevee, fill your hand up, pick, hand select, whatever you want, and then, you know, go from there. But yeah, that was my fatal flaw is that I only drafted one of the breaks. There was a Hydreigon break available to me. I didn't draft that, but you did. There was a Noiver break available to me, which I did draft. Which yeah, that one's pretty good. I that paired that with I had every single like judge variant. So I had like Marnie and Judge and Oracle. <laughs> yeah. Or not Oracle. Uh, what is it called? Or is it Oracle? It is. Um, no, it's not Oracle. It's Desert Shaman. Desert Shaman, yes. You're right. Um, so I had all of those different cards to sync up for the Noivern, which is sick, and also disrupt my opponent. The interesting thing about the Desert Shaman is that it's a little bit different from Judge. It's up to Judge, you. yeah, it's up to four. So in theory, your opponent could screw you over by. <laughs> I think arguably zero. it would be worse for them, right? <laughs> arguably, arguably. 
Plus, I also had the rare candy to search with the EV, which is also sick. So good. <laughs> but enough about the cube. Let's go ahead and talk about Pokemon cards. So, JW, we have an interesting week ahead of us because Silver Tempest drops on TCGO tomorrow as of recording this. Um, dropping on the 10th of November here. But also this weekend, we have the Warsaw Regional Championship over in Europe, which is not Silver Tempest legal. <laughs> so, mm. you know, Americans who aren't going to this event are going to be deep diving into Silver Tempest. Europeans who are going to Warsaw still need to focus on the present before they get too deep into Silver Tempest. So you have this like disparity in terms of what people are focusing on across the world in the game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's really an interesting time right now. Um, it felt like Lost Origin was like last month. I feel like we didn't quite get, uh, I didn't get my fill of this format, but nonetheless, got a new set coming up and, and, you know, plenty to discuss and in theory mon about. So for today's episode, we, we do want to give some love to both sides of the fence there. So we'll start off the episode by talking about Warsaw, you know, what we would consider some top picks heading into that metagame, what we would maybe play if we were over there right now. And then after the break, we'll talk about decks to watch out for in the Silver Tempest format, the things that we're looking to test early on in the next few weeks. Sounds good. So, JW, for Warsaw, we're still in that Lost Origin metagame, still working with the same pool of cards here. But as we've always seen, metagames do evolve over time, regardless of whether new cards are added or removed. What do you think, first and foremost, that Warsaw is going to look like as we head into this weekend? I mean, it's so hard to say, but we had the last um, major championship won by Arceus Gudra, right? So uh, players are certainly going to be thinking of crafting ways to um, at least have an answer to the Arceus Gudra, and it might just be simply, um, you know, a, a soft counter in something like playing a mill tank, you know, or, or the amount of mill tank uh, in the field rises by some percent, right? And that's like enough to keep Arceus Gudra kind of out of the running on the whole, because that deck didn't play a single basic attacker that could hit into. A mill tank, so that was basically, uh, you know, obviously an auto loss there. Um, other things that we could see, you know, it would be decks that are more one-hit KO focused. So something like a Hisuian Zorark could be um, potentially like again this this soft counter to an Arceus Gudra deck in the sense that um, you know it could plow right through those high HP Pokemon on the opponent's side of the field. So you know things like that where it's is there a way to directly counter a deck like Arceus Gudra? No, but you might see in response to that deck having won, people are a little more cognizant of it, uh, respecting it a little bit more, and uh, respecting it more with their deck choices. Now, one thing I think is maybe worth discussing is how much respect do you think people actually will give a deck like Arceus Gudra? You know, in the, the weeks after Salt Lake City, Arceus Gudra really hasn't been a force in online tournaments. It doesn't seem like people are are really playing it that much, and it's not appearing at the top tables in especially high frequency at the very least. 
are people actually considering Arceus Gudra as a, a primary threat heading into Warsaw, even though it won the last regional? Yeah, that's interesting. It just depends. Like, the, the X factor is going to be Reggie, right? It, to me, at least. And, and you might have a different opinion on this, but um, I feel like Reggie's really good. If I was in Warsaw, if I was playing a tournament um, this weekend, I would probably be playing Reggie's. Um, and, of course, we all know that Reggie just cannot deal with Arceus Scudra. Arceus Scudra with the 200 damage, you know, the, the 80 damage reduction. On <laughs> 200 the, uh... damage reduction would be crazy. <laughs> well, I was thinking of the attack that was 200 <laughs> yeah. damage. And then, you know, the, so the damage reduction on the Gudra uh, is just a nightmare for the Reggie deck to, uh, to handle. So that's kind of the X factor, right? We saw Reggie dominate the last regional. Didn't win, but took four spots in the top eight, which is insane, um, and and really gave the Arceus Gudra player, um, you know, a path to victory, right? So, I think that would be the X factor for me. Our Reggie's going to be a big play in Warsaw. I would expect, yes. I mean, that's a deck that I really enjoy, and I think is still a great play. So, yeah, I mean, Reggie looks. Definitely, like, one of the dominant forces in Lost Origins. When we look at conversion rates, right, when we look at how well decks performed relative to their player base, Reggie severely overperformed in Salt Lake City. It had a really small player pool, but four in the top eight. That is just obscene. It's yeah. just a lot for how good Reggie is right now. And I agree that that would be one of my top picks heading into Warsaw. In Salt Lake City, though, we saw the most popular deck by a fairly decent margin being Giratina. It hasn't really sustained itself in the online space, but it still still does seem like a, a fan favorite, especially of top players. Mm. Do we think Giratina is going to show up in, in similar quantities as it might have in previous tournaments? Yeah, every time I try to discount or discredit Giratina, it just continues to have solid showing. Maybe not in the online sphere, but certainly in the IRL play space. So I would expect Giratina to, um, you know, not be the most played deck, but certainly you look at just all the options that the Giratina deck has and, and the chances that it has to, to outplay the opponent, outmaneuver the opponent. I think it's still going to be a top choice from a lot of players heading into this weekend's regional. So let's maybe shift gears then. If you don't think Giratina is going to be the top play deck, what would be? I think it would be something like, I mean, honestly, like Mew. I think Mew would be a great play for this tournament as well. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I actually do think your team would probably be the most played deck if I had to. You think so? If I, I mean, had to wager. I, I would say top three, but I don't know most played. I can't see Mew being the most played. I really can't. What do you think would be the most played? Giratina. And if it's not Giratina... Then, like... Yeah, because it's probably not going to be, like, Lost Zone Box. If it's not Giratina, I would almost say, like, Palkia would be the most played deck. Yeah. I mean, well, so we had I mean, so we had Salt Lake City. That was the last U.S. regional, right? So, But then we're com kind of discounting a little bit the, the French regional in Lille. That was won by Mew, right? So... I feel like... Well, I feel like a deck like Mew now that has such a hard counter like Drapion, its stocks almost go down when it wins a tournament, you know? But it 
I, I don't know, but like I, I feel like players, Mew players, are kind <laughs> of realizing. I, I'm just saying, I feel like Mew players are realizing that one Drapion in a Giratina deck isn't like the end all be all, right? You can get I through think one Giratina and Drapion, or what? One, <laughs> one Giratina. <laughs> Decks are getting crazy out here, folks. Uh, I think one Drapion and Giratina is at least a pretty significant burden. Like I would not want to play that twice yeah. or three times in a tournament. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, even though it's certainly possible to win a best two out of three, it's an uncomfortable win at best. Mm-hmm. So, like, if, for example, the the Lil Regional, there was, you know, a Trapeon or two in that top eight, I don't feel as confident that Mew would have won that top eight. You sure. know? In that yeah. route. Yeah, right. That That is definitely true. Obviously, the... Uh, the uh, you know, Nico's list and, and Lucas's list didn't play the Drapion. And I think, you know, like you said, you're as a Mew player, you're never going to, um, you know, desire for your opponent to play a Drapion. But I still don't think it's like the the worst, right, for Mew. I, cause I mean, I, I don't. One... I don't either, right? I played it in yeah. two, two regionals in a row. Here's yeah. my thought is I think Mew right now has a couple of like true diehards. Um, people like Andrew and I going to to Peoria and Salt Lake, um, who are really into Mew. Think it's a really good spot. You know, you have people like Xander who were tweeting about how Mew was was the play. Um, and then there's other folks who think like Mew might have the perfect like meta niche at a particular tournament to slide in, and no one else is like considering Mew. I don't think people are like looking at Lil and thinking, oh, now it's time to play Mew because mm. I won this tournament. Sure. I think the people who would play Mew are probably already going to do that uh, because they just see that's that the metagame is, is for Mew, you know? So what then would you say to, like, a Palkia player um, heading into this weekend? I mean, that, that still seems like a solid deck as well. Um, w- would you consider it to be, you know, one of the most played decks this weekend? I definitely think Palkia will be one of the most played decks. And if you're looking at a water deck, I think Taki is just objectively the better one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, if I had to give advice to a Palkia player, I would say make sure you're playing a, a Big Charm or a Tool Jammer and probably also a Raihan. Like, cards like that give you just so many more options. Particularly the Tool Jammer slash Big Charm is really helpful against the Reggie matchup uh, mm-hmm. as well as the Mew matchup. So it gives you a little bit of an edge in both of those situations that you might not have had otherwise. Um, also potentially allowing you to survive like a Giratina, for example, after it's used its V-Star power. Mm-hmm. So I think Palkia is a really good play right now. I don't think you can ever be faulted, really, in Lost Origins metagame for playing Palkia, just because it's really solid. Um, it's still not really the deck for me, just because I don't like those really variable turn ones, but it's Palkia, right? It's, it's good. It does what it does. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. So what do you think wins this weekend? What do I think wins? It feels like it feels like Giratina is, is owed something <laughs> to some extent. Um I knowing Europe it's going to be some funny deck that we didn't even anticipate <laughs> in this discussion. Well, did you see Tord was tweeting about Rapid Striker Shifu. Yeah. So maybe it's Rapid Striker Shifu for all we know. Um, I, I think Could, Giratina is like well poised to win an event. Uh, it would also be great to see Reggie win 
And it wouldn't yeah. surprise me either. I think Reggie is, again, it is still in a great spot, and that would be like one of my, if not my very top pick. Yeah, I, I would love to have played Reggie in this format. It just felt like, you know, when we were doing our testing for, for the regionals, it just felt like Mew was a better play. I opted to go with that, but I would have loved to play Reggie because I think that deck is so fun. I think it is it's so fun. Unique. It's very unique compared to all the other decks that I've ever played in the Pokemon TCG. Um, so hopefully there's still opportunity for it in the next format, but um, I, that would be my choice hands down for uh, the Warsaw Regional. I think Reggie is in a great spot overall. Obviously, you're going to struggle with, you know, something like Hale's um, Arceus Giratina build. Or, excuse me, Arceus, uh, uh, Arceus Gudra build. But other than that, you know, there's some techs that can kind of spook you. Lost City is um, not something that you necessarily enjoy. <laughs> but other than that, you know, I, I feel like on the whole, the field is, is pretty favorable for Reggie still. I would agree. Yeah, Reggie looking really solid heading into Warsaw. I would love to see Reggie win, man. That deck is, is flames. Un, un, un. <laughs> can you do the, uh, the like, Reggie Steel <laughs> beeping noises? Um, I haven't perfected that one yet. Okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe I think it's fair to, to duck out of that one. <laughs> 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 awesome. So Warsaw coming up. Good luck to those of you tag teamers out there who are participating. Uh, we're going to quickly do our card of the day in every, and then we'll talk about the Silver Tempest metagame. So JW, why don't you kick us off? I loved collecting cards back in the early, what, 2000s. And I would, we had this one card store that Dad and I would go to. And I'd always get, like, one pack if I asked really nicely. And um, I really liked the Neo sets. I never got too many of them, but um, I just have a have a soft spot in my heart for the Neo sets because I, I really like the artwork and kind of the the different artworks that they, you know, tried out, right? You had the base set, you had jungle, fossil, and that all kind of was like one hand-drawn Pokemon on a generic background, right? You look at a lot of the hollows, it's just the hand-drawn Pokemon is the focus, and then it just has like a, you know, a Windows desktop as the background, like literally <laughs> for some of these, that's, that's, that's true. Um, but they experimented a little bit more with the art in the Neo Genesis expansion. You saw some clay Pokemon, um, different artists, different art styles. And one Pokemon that I really enjoyed and had, I, I don't know, I just, it's not necessarily like an artwork that I think is um, unique or crazy or like, you know, mind-blowing. But it just sticks out in my mind as being um, just different. And I remember really kind of enjoying looking at this card in my collection. So I'll give you the the dex entry okay. on the bottom, the flavor text. So the curved antlers subtly change the flow of air to create a strange space where reality is distorted. I mean, it's got to be Stantler. Wrong again. Again? <laughs> Why do you say wrong again? <laughs> <laughs> No, it is. Yeah, it's de it's definitely Stanley for sure. Okay. <laughs> That's good. So yeah, you you got it right. You got it right. So Stantler, oh, it's got like very meaningless attacks. Stomp is the first one. 
It's like flip a coin, you do 20 damage. If you get heads, you do 10 more damage. And then they put the caveat in, if you get tails, it does 20 damage. It's like redundant text that you would never see today, which is also kind of why I like these old cards, because they didn't quite figure out how to say what they wanted to say. There was always like this extra <laughs> clarification. I did always love when it clarified if tails do the original amount of damage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. And then the, uh, the second attack with three energy, Mystifying Horns does a whopping 20 damage for three energy, mind you. And uh, if heads, the defending Pokemon is now confused. So oh, obviously man. obviously a powerhouse powerhouse attacker, the Stantler was 60 HP. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really like this card. It was a fun one. Enjoyed the art. It's not like, try to describe it to you for all you audio listeners that aren't at your computer right now, but it's like, Got a little forest scene in the background that's kind of, um, you know, obfuscated, and the Stantler is glowing yellow in the foreground. I just, it was different than what I had remembered from, you know, the base set and the, the fossil and jungle and things like that. So remember it fondly. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really interesting pick. I, I like it. It's a cute art, too. Nice and. Nice in the mountains, almost. Yeah, a little bit, little little mountain esque for sure. Yeah, it's just he's stantling out there, for sure. Stantler's gonna stamp. <laughs> awesome. Well, shout out to Stantler. Um, and if you want your horns to be looking as fine as a Stantler, then boy, oh boy, do we have the product for you. So the sponsor for this week's episode of Tag Team, as always, is Manscaped. Manscaped is the premier men's grooming brand. And let me tell you, Jeb and I have both used a huge amount of their products and we both really, really enjoy them. They're nice and safe to use and they feel oh so fine when you're down there, hairs are looking clean. Jeb, why don't you tell us a little bit about Manscaped? Yeah, Manscaped is incredible, whether it's the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, or any of the various, I, I don't know, what, what you know, like uh, aromatics that they have, <laughs> you know, um, the, the aromatics deodorant. is like already a word that it doesn't apply to that context. Well, no, like the deodorant, right? That, I would say that that's kind of an aromatic. Would you agree? I, I mean, it smells. <laughs> yeah, yeah, an aromatic. Yeah, exactly. That's what aromatic <laughs> means. All right. Yeah, well, anyway, we'll, we need a linguist on for the next uh, for the next episode. But uh, <laughs> you know, you have the various aromatics, such as the deodorant, such as the the shampoo, such as the conditioner, which um, I used both of those this morning. Uh, it, it's just really great products across the board, and we couldn't be happier to partner with Manscaped uh, for. The podcast it's it's really really um, high quality products we love them and obviously we got christmas right around the corner so if you're anything like me you're thinking about hey i need to get some gifts for the people that i love and i don't want to wait until the last moment so head on over to manscaped anybody else buy gifts for their loved ones during the any any gift buyers out there <laughs> anyone else like to care and treat for their loved ones yeah yeah so if you're a gift buyer and you still haven't gotten anything for that special man or woman in your life head on over to manscaped.com 20 percent off with code tag team at checkout 
and you get free shipping. So that's it's pretty nice. Free shipping, twenty percent off with code tag team at checkout. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast, and thanks to you all for using code tag team at checkout. All right, JW. So it heading into Silver Tempest again, dropping literally tomorrow as we're recording this onto the trading card game online in TCG Live. We want to know like what is the going ons in the new meta game. So what JW and I did is we listed out some of the decks that we think are sort of top contenders, things that we're looking to test with and get our hands on. We're gonna go through that list. And then we'll talk about maybe some of the losers coming into this metagame. So what are the things that maybe are negatively impacted by the shift introduced by Silver Tempest? So let's start from the top with a deck that I'm personally excited about and we talked a little bit about last week in our top 10, and that is going to be Vicky Bolt and Reggie Alecki VMAX. So Reggie Alecki VMAX, first off, finally getting that free retreat. Shout out Reggie Alecki, fast Pokemon Alive. <laughs> but it also boosts up the basic Lightning Pokemon's attacks by 30 damage. So the cool thing is you can get a couple of Reggie Alecki VMAX into play, and now your Vicky Bolts are swinging for... 80, 110, 140 damage. If you can get those three Aleckis in play, your vehicles are one-shotting Palkias and Lugias without any damage reduction. That is absolutely insane while also doing Item Lock. Item Lock, of course, is super powerful in any format. This format in particular does rely fairly heavily on Ball Search cards, as well as the Scoop Up Net and Switch Out cards. So a vehicle can really prey on that coming into play. And especially when you have that greater damage potential and are putting on now threatening KO numbers where you previously maybe were swinging for even a six hit KO without weakness. Now you're looking at like a three or four hit KO. That's really impressive. So I think Vikable is a top contender in the future metagame. It's really just a matter of ironing out the list to make it as consistent as possible because Vikable's one fatal flaw is it has a two energy attachment attack which is fine if you're going first, but if you're going second, that means you really need to pull off a Melanie to get that attack off reliably. And that's Vikavolt's like real, real cinch to get it to work is, is figuring that count out. Yeah, but you do get the new, uh, the new stone tool, right? You do, so, which is really nice. Yeah, and Vikavolt is one of those decks, and there's a variety of decks right now that you look at... Um, that you know they haven't really been able to have a a um solid v power right v star power um or v star attack but vikavolt i mean fits that mold exactly where you would really love that forest seal stone to be able to search out the missing piece of the combo to enable you to get that turn one item lock off with a melanie with an energy in the discard and then an attachment, and all of a sudden you have a tool that can allow you to fish out whatever piece you are missing. So I think this is a like perfect contender. The more that I think about it, I know we kind of ragged on Vikavolt last week. I didn't. Well, I did. Because I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, Vikavolt didn't do anything with, uh, you know, with Zapdos in the last format, and Zapdos is kind of like Regilecki, you know, why didn't this all work? But I think the more that I think about it, the more that I think about um, the Forest Seal Stone being a really big improvement in being able to, 
you know, figure out the combo pieces. And then just the general strength of not only item lock, but also the electric typing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, electric type super solid right now with both Palkia and Lugia being weak to electric. You're also not seeing a lot of fighting type attackers really in the format right now, so it's hard to prey on Vikavolt's weakness. It just seems kind of like a perfect storm for Vikavolt to come into the format strong. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a while, right? I, I would say the last like really viable Vikavolt deck was probably like 2019, right? When people were slapping Vikavolt in their kind of Pikaram lists. So, I think that would have been 2020 still, right? Well, 2019, 2020. 2019, 2020 format, perhaps? Yes. Okay. So, in any case, um, you know, the re-rise of Vikavolt would be kind of cool. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, okay, you know, the combo was always kind of hard to pull off, but maybe if you can get the seal stone on, you know, turn one, that's really going to help. And the, the Reggies seem pretty good good i mean getting two up even is really really strong it's just one of those things with vegavold is like you give your opponent too many turns to draw out and they're going to come up with an attacker right even if they have the manually attached like for the most part vegavold with that 50 damage is not going to get the job done but start augmenting that especially with things like choice spells you got the regilecki all of a sudden you can kind of snowball into some pretty dangerous numbers and get those three, four, maybe even a two-hit KO. Yeah, the math is honestly really, really... I just want to call out how good the math is, the plus 30 on Regilecki. For, with just one in play, it gets you to, you know, one-shotting most one-prize basic Pokemon. You know, you're one-shotting Comfies, uh, where you weren't before, even with one Zapdos out. You're obviously one-shotting Sobbles and Drizzles. One-shotting Radiant Greninja. One-shotting Radiant Greninja, which you weren't before, which is great. Uh, with one more damage modifier, be it a Choice Belt or a second Regilecki, now you're doing 110, which is a clean two-shot on pretty much every evolving V Pokemon, or a one-shot on a V Pokemon that's weak to a V-Cobalt. Then you get the third modifier, be it a Choice Belt or a Lecky into play, and now you're clean two-shotting these stars that aren't either reducing your damage or otherwise weak to Vikavolt. So the math is just really, really nice. They're clearly, they were thinking about this combo when they were designing these cards, so I'm interested to see where this goes. Yeah, I'm going to rescind my hate for it. I think in my mind, I, I can walk it back a little bit because it, it. I've always really liked Item Lock ever since Seism. I was a Seismitoad boy <laughs> back when that card was Gross. huge. So I know, I know. But you don't regret it one bit. Absolutely not. <laughs> it won me so many games. So let's talk then about another deck that's potentially using a seal stone, JW. This is one that you kind of brought to my attention. I wasn't super aware of as being even a concept. But you're talking about Urshifu with the earthen seal stone. So not the not the half an Arceus, but the reduce your opponent's V Pokemon to 100 HP. Talk to me a little bit about Urshifu. So Urshifu, you know, it, it's interesting, right? And you think about the combo being there with the Zapdos. It has the ability that it reduces all your attacks by, you know, a colorless for the amount of V Pokemon that your opponent has in play. So in theory, if your opponent has enough V Pokemon in play, you could use the Earthen Seal Stone for free, right? If they have three Pokemon in play, 
a 3B Pokemon in play, then you could attach that to your Zapdos. That counts as an attack, so it's activated by the ability, so you could use it for free, right? So that's how the combo goes. The interesting thing about that is obviously that you're going to put your opponent's Pokemon after you use the Earth and Seal Stone into range to be sniped by the Urshfu VMAX. Urshfu VMAX doing 120 to two of your opponent's Pokemon, and that seems like a pretty interesting combo. Now, there are a few issues with this combo. Notably, Manaphy is an issue. It's not an issue for placing the damage counters from the tool, but it is an issue with sniping from the Urshifu. So Manaphy's not particularly... Uh, I, I don't foresee it being particularly heavily played in the next format. I mean, obviously, you have, like, your Palkia deck, which is it's kind of an auto-inclusion, but, um, you know, maybe Lugia decks will play it. Maybe general decks, you know, will consider including it. But for the most part, I don't think Manaphy is going to be highly played. It is a problem, though. Um, another problem is if you use the Earth and Seal Stone too early, let's say. Because you would like to use it when your opponent has a full board of Pokemon VMAXs or V-Stars. Right, so if, if they have a full board of that, like that's where it's really going to shine. This whole combo is really going to shine. If you use the Earth and Seal Stone when the Pokemon is a V, let's say your, you know, the V Pokemon that you're that you're attacking into um, has, you know, 180 health, like a Mew V or something. So you drop it down by 80 to 100 health. And then they just evolve it into the Mew VMAX, and then now it has 210 health, right? So it's like <laughs> there's, that, there's that timing issue with the Earth and Seal Stone. Um, but it does seem really strong if your opponent is playing a bunch of non-evolving V Pokemon. We're thinking Crobat, Luminion, um, you know, Metacham, any, any of these non-evolving Vs that might just get stuck on your opponent's bench. Then I could see that combo being like extremely good now of course there are ways to augment the damage you could go um like the inteleon route play a really heavy inteleon which generally urshfu likes to do anyway um you could play the metacham to get those extra turns uh you could play something like radiant blastoise even to get a little mm -hmm. bit of extra damage on the board so there are some things you can do as the urshfu player to even if you have to use the earth and seal stone early to be able to, you know, pull off the combos that you need to win the game. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept. I Obviously, Manaphy is a fairly significant problem if you're leaning into that strategy. Though, arguably, you could just play it as you would in Urshu deck in the past, I guess, if your opponent has Manaphy. Like, it's not as if Manaphy is an unforeseen quantity for Urshifu. Um, mm -hmm. I at least think this is a good addition to Urshifu. You know, one of the Seal Stones feels like it'll be played in Urshifu for sure. <laughs> um, and it, I think with Mew stocks maybe struggling in the next metagame, it's also a good opportunity for Urshifu to slide in and, and find a little more footing without having to focus on all the dark stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the interesting things about the Urshifu deck is that um, it, it might have potential to be you know extremely disruptive to a lugia deck and and mostly what i mean by that is um, being able to knock out two archaeops 
in one turn, right? And the Lugia deck has no way to get up other Archaeops. So if you're able to spread enough damage on their side of the field, this is you can so win. much damage counters, though. It is a lot. You know, Archaeops having 150 health, you're going to need to work some magic, but it <laughs> is doable, right? And the, the sure. potential is there. And I think it's, you know, it's the only deck that I can really think of that can wipe a board like that on you know on lugia's side of the field if we're thinking about lugia as being one of the most prominent decks of the next format um and one of the biggest counters you know like in in a theory mon sense in, in, a, in a theory sense theoretical sense one of the biggest counters would be to knock out the archaeops right because they have no way to recover those archaeops after they get knocked out so if you can knock out both archaeops they have no more ways to accelerate from the deck and then you could you know even start attacking with uh with the Zapdos and start discarding energy, right? So it can get kind of hairy there. So this is one of the decks that can knock out Archaeops. How reliable is that? Hard to say at this point, but I think it's a combo worth looking into. Um, certainly something that I want to be testing for next format. Yeah, I mean, I think Urshu is really cool. I like to try it out every new format. And I will say that Hand Disruption is at a kind of a low point as a lot of folks are playing the Colrus engine, for example. So this is a good opportunity for decks like Urshifu that really want to build those high count hand combos to try and more feasibly get their strategies off in the game. Yeah, agreed. Awesome. So let's talk about some staying decks, some decks that'll have a little bit of staying power. Then we'll talk about Lugia and some of the some of the losers of the format. So one deck that I think will still be notably popular heading into next format is going to be Giratina V-Star with Comfy. Giratina is just a really versatile deck, which allows it to thrive still in a Lugia-centric metagame. You know, you have the V-Star power to knock out a Lugia even through a V-Guard energy. You have the huge damage on the attack to knock out other Lugias. You have the single prize angle to also counteract the Lugia single prize angle. And I think ultimately that'll add up to a fairly effective deck against Lugia. Maybe not a entirely consistent strategy. You know, maybe Lugia wins 55% of the time. But Giratina is a, is a mainstay of this format, and I think it has the staying power to proceed in the Silver Tempest metagame. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about Lugia is that the clock is... I perceive the clock to be a little bit faster than Giratina, right? And I think that that yeah. is going to be the issue with these decks, is that Lugia, very reliably, if it's playing against a V-based deck, has a four-turn clock, right? First turn, you get your Pokemon out, uh, you get your Archaeops in the discard pile. Second turn, you evolve into Lugia, you get the Archaeops out, you take a knockout, and then from there, ideally, you're taking, you know, maybe an Eveltal knockout, and then finally just finding your last two prizes on something on your opponent's board. So the the turn clock is accelerated. It seems very rigid with the Lugia deck. And I just wonder, with Giratina, the clock is based around whether or not you can get enough uh, cards in the, in the Lost Zone to start activating the Mirage Gates. And so I wonder if that clock is going to be fast enough to keep up with with lugias i think that's valid although you could also 
potentially say, oh, like Giratina could maybe change his strategy in some way. You know, Mirage Gate opens up so many potential routes to include tech Pokemon, for example. Maybe there's a lightning basic attacker that's fairly inefficient compared to what other techs were viable in the past that you could use versus Lugia, for example. That's fair. And then the only counter to that would be like, do you think Lugia decks early on would not play Dunsparce? And they're probably incentivized to play Dunsparce, right? Uh, I, I think early can. for sure. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, why not play Dunsparce when you're going to play the best deck in the format? Um, at least in the opening stages of it. So hmm. it's hard to say. I do think Giratina is at least a versatile deck. And if it's able to get up and running, maybe it goes first, for example, it can, it can find those routes. Yeah, definitely. So what's another deck that's going to be sticking around then, JW? What's another deck that's going to be sticking around? Oof, Reggie's. I think Reggie's is probably pretty good for next format. Um, doesn't really gain anything. You got Serena. That could be potentially decent to um, kind of have these versatility cards, cards that uh, you know do a couple different things. Uh, so Serena would be something that would be a pretty decent addition to the deck. But beyond that, uh, the same old, same old. I could see Reggie's being pretty good in this format. Yeah, to some extent, you can just make the flip argument, like, what does Reggie lose anything in this format? Right. And the answer is not really. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's a consistent single prize deck that pumps out tons of damage and can hit two of the top decks for weakness in Palkia and Lugia. Now Lugia does have the Dunsparce angle that Palkia does not, but you're still putting that pressure on, right? And you still have all sorts of awesome tech attackers that you can use for different situations. Totally. So I don't, there's probably not a lot to say about Reggie's. It's just a, it's a consistent mainstay, it feels, in the single prize deck metagame. Yep, would agree. So let's talk about the big bad then, Lugia. Lugia feels like the format will will need to respond to it, would be my analysis on yeah. Lugia. It is just absurdly strong. The acceleration that Archeops offers, even if you're only able to get one into play, is insane. And mm -hmm. you can usually get the two, right? Like, it's not yeah. an exceptionally large hurdle to get that second one into play on the second turn of the game, which just completely blows things out of the water at that point, right? Now you have Amazing Eveltal as an option. You're accelerating so many powerful colorists and V-Guards onto turn two. You have Charizards or Gardevoirs to either do damage or reduce damage. It just feels like Lugia can deal with everything to some extent because of the insane power that Archeops offers. Accelerating specials from the deck is just unheard of levels of strength in the Pokemon TCG. Yes, I... Man, just the more I think about the deck, the more I'm, like, excited to play it and worried that, um, you know, other people aren't going to take it that seriously. But, uh, you know, it's dominating in Japan. It's an incredible ability on that Archeops. And, you know, Lugia's an average attacker, but you get the buffs from um, all the various special energy you can play and the ability to just play other random attackers. I think, like, even if Lugia never attacked for meaningful damage you have so many other optional alternate attackers that um, you know you can still take games 
I'm not going to say relatively easily, but you know, you can still take games um, and, and you can really tailor your deck to the metagame that you expect, which is something that's really, really valuable in uh, your know, deck choice and deck selection. Yeah, I, I'm definitely worried to some extent about the Lugia deck. I think it's going to be a, a metagame defining force, if nothing else. Yeah. So in a way that we haven't seen in a while, right? Like I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of another deck that I was, you know, this scared about this early, and I, I don't know that I have it, off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean maybe Palkia should have been that, but I think I undervalued how good Palkia was going to be in, in that meta game. Mm-hmm. But I, I would agree, and Lugia has something that Palkia does not, which is the ability to turn off its weakness. Yeah. So. You know, Palkia, you could always kind of whittle your way through an argument where you'd be like, oh, you know, you can play Flying Pikachu, you can play Raikou V, and, you know, now you're hitting the Palkia for weakness and one-shotting them. You don't yeah. really have that luxury against Lugia because they can always slot a Dunsparce into their deck and turn off their weakness. So it's not as straightforward to counter these Lugia decks like it was for Palkia. Yeah, and I again, I'm going to come back to this turn clock, right? So even if you're playing against... You know, let's say you're playing against an Arceus Pikachu, right? You have the, you know, the chance to just out overrun them, overpower them. Because, you know, a deck like Arceus has to swing in for not enough damage into your Lugia. And it just gives you such an advantage because you can take a couple knockouts with that first Lugia. And maybe you're, you know, going to go into like an Eveltal that takes an auto knockout with its attack, the amazing rare Eveltal. Um, or maybe you're able to build up some other alternate attacker to hit for weakness on whatever they have. Like, it just seems like there are so many advantages in terms of um, how much damage Lugia can hit for um, as early as it can hit for that it can just overwhelm opponents and, and really put the deck in these checkmate scenarios uh, where it can't lose. Yeah, I definitely think the addition of Eveltal is a is a great way to kind of set up a true checkmate where your opponent will struggle to actually deal with that situation. <laughs> you know, because yeah. now you have a Lugia that can take a one-shot you know, more physically, I guess, either doing the direct damage, or you have the Eveltal, which will just take the the knockout regardless. Yeah, so. that's crazy, man. It's a it's it's really interesting. I, I I'm excited to see what lists come out of LAIC. I agree. Um, and then I'm excited to just test the heck out of it for for ourselves for Toronto. So let's talk then about maybe some of the the fallout from that with Lugia now shifting the metagame in a different direction there's going to be collateral damage, right? And honestly, it feels to me, and I'd be happy to be proven wrong on this, but it feels to me like a lot of the mainstay decks from the past few formats are the decks that are taking the collateral damage. You know, you think of the Arceus V-Stars, the Palkia V-Stars, and the Mew V-Maxes. They're the ones that are hurt the most by the presence mm -hmm. of Lugia, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. So let's maybe dive a little bit into that. You know, is there a particular deck that stands out to you amongst those that you know, is really going to struggle to find its footing? I, I would say it's Palkia. Um, when you look at the tools that Lugia has access to, one that we haven't really talked that much about is the V-Guard energy. And so I, I think a Lugia deck can 
reasonably keep its bench small. Um, you know, certainly doesn't need to go full five wide on the bench um, in order to take attacks, uh, you know, do, do what it wants to do. But even so, even if it did go five wide, you have the V-guard energy to um, really put a halt onto anything, any hope that Palkia has of one-shotting a Lugia V-star. So that concerns me a lot as a Palkia player is that heading into that, you know, best deck and format and you don't have a reliable way to, um, you know, control the game in the way that you want to control the game and, and take out their main attacker before it can swing a couple times into your Pokemon V, that would be really concerning for me as a Palkia player. And I think that, that is, uh, you know, the, the presence of V-Guard energy and, and even just playing the one in your Lugia list, I think is a really strong counter to Palkia. And it does, I think it's worth noting that all of the decks that we've listed today either have, you know, elaborate prize mapping combos or are able to one shot a Lugia or, or really greatly threaten a Lugia as soon as it hits the board. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the Regis that are trading single prizes even if they play Dunsparce. You have the Urshfus that are mapping out like six prizes through alternative means. Mm-hmm. And then you have like Giratina and Vikavolt though that are trying to go right for the throat with Lugia. And it feels like Palkia and these other decks maybe won't be able to hit that same note. You know, I think Mew is a deck that'll struggle a lot against Lugia for much the same reason, where if you play a lot of Mew in this format, you can attest to this. It feels like Mew, with DTE at least, is optimized to take like two clean V-Star knockouts. And when I say that, I mean doing 280 damage twice and then maybe gusting something, or doing 280 once and gusting twice. Like, that is the reliable route that you can take with Mew, and V-Guard Energy really removes that as an option for you game to game, in addition to Lugia being able to threaten the one-shots that maybe other decks could not as reliably. So, between Mew losing its tankiness element, and also not being able to get the one-shot as easily versus Lugia, or having to burn through a ton of resources to do it, that feels really dire for a deck like Mew. Yes, yes, completely agree. You you nailed it when you're talking about you know what Mew wants to do versus what Lugia is trying to prevent from happening, and that HP difference with the V Guard energy is the swing that makes it makes it seem, and it may not be entirely true, but it makes it seem like the advantage is strongly in Lugia's favor. Now, what would be the counter argument? Um, Mew has always been fast. We would think of Mew as being maybe a little bit more consistent on the whole um, than Lugia. So especially now with the with the Forest Seal Stone being able to more reliably get those explosive turn one starts, it might just be that Mew has like an overall more consistent game plan. And I do think that Mew going first into a Lugia deck is probably, you know, is probably pretty solid for you. But, um, you know, I, I would think of that as, as being the reason that Mew could uh, stand a chance into Lugia. You, you get a, an explosive turn one, you're able to really dominate their board before they can get quite set up, and then you just find a way to take those prizes. That would be the way that that i see mew winning is just you're you're on the whole just more consistent than the lugia deck 
And I think that is worth calling out that something that Mew has going for it is going first versus a V-based deck. It feels like Mew can always win that matchup. Yeah. Um, unless it's just some wacky sort of dark deck, I guess. But mm-hmm. outside of that, like Mew feels like it can win any matchup going first. So, you know, that's kind of the trade-off of, of maybe the V-Guard energy that Palkia doesn't have. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. So then let's talk about the real titan of the last year of Pokemon, and that's Arceus V-Star. I mean, Arceus has certainly gotten less and less vogue, I would say, over the last, you know, three or so months post-World Championships. And it doesn't really feel like it's heading on the up either. You know, we're talking about decks like Lugia, that it really feels like Arceus is going to struggle to answer because of its need to attack. And Lugia is very reliably threatening the one-shot with a two-prize Pokemon, you know, kind of similar to uh, maybe the Hisuian Zorark in that way, but then Lugia also has those, you know, ancillary attackers in Eveltal to close the game out. Hmm. Do you think Arceus still has like an ongoing spot in the meta? I it's it's hard to count it out, but when you think about the tools that it has access to, they just don't seem as strong. Right, Lugia feels like it can do a lot of the same things that Arceus can do, um, except instead of on that turn two when you get to accelerate your energy, and and go for a two hit KO, it can take a one hit KO. That's just kind of I mean it's obviously we're not comparing <laughs> yeah. apples to apples because the the acceleration method is a little bit different and you know the lugia deck is a little more reliant on abilities and so maybe path of the peak could be something that could be played you know to gain advantage but um you know if if you do look at comparison there i i think that what holds arceus back right now is that it has no reliable way to to one shot opponent's pokemon unless it's hitting for weakness um, and even then, you know, like we've talked about, you know, maybe Arceus Pikachu could be good, but you're still facing a potential Dunsparce on your opponent's, you know, Lugia side of the field. So that would be scary for me. I think Lugia does a lot of the things that Arceus wants to do, just a little bit better with a little more power. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like Lugia just has the, the stopping power. You know, Arceus maybe will trade some reliability just because Starbirth is you know, the most consistent ability we've maybe ever seen. But, you know, is that worth it if your high end is so much lower than Lugia's? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And there is always something to be said, like you have to be at least a little lucky to win these tournaments. Lugia is good enough that you don't have to be crazy lucky, (laughs) and it just has that higher end. So why wouldn't you go for that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll have to see how the lists turn out, you know, in our, in our own testing and from uh, the online results, how these lists kind of shake up in terms of what kind of consistency they try to play, how, you know, the counts of certain attackers, um, the counts of the Archaeops to try to be able to get those in the discard pile when they need to be in the discard pile. But, yeah, it just seems like, again, and this is without playing extensively, uh, but it, it seems like the the Arceus deck is just a step behind what Lugia is going to be able to do. I would agree. Well, there's tons of crazy stuff happening, and we're so excited to talk about it more in the coming weeks with the 
Silver Tempest set dropping in real time as we speak. So be sure to continue to listen to the cast as our opinions develop leading up to LAIC and then into the following weeks for those metagames. JW, why don't you tell us, the listeners, about where they can find us? Yeah, absolutely. So if you liked what you heard today, follow us on social media for more updates. So at Tag Team Pokemon is the Twitter handle of the podcast. At Smiles with Riles is the Twitter handle of my partner in crime. And at Real John Walter is your truly my Twitter handle. So check those out. Uh, we also stream the podcast over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Munner. And take a look at that over there. We stream every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time if you want to get in on the conversation. I also do some streaming myself, twitch.tv slash righteous. We appreciate every single one of you for your listenership and support. Be sure to leave a rate and review if you haven't already. It really helps us out. And be sure to also check out the shirts at flexdaddy.card slash shop. Still got plenty of shirts left, so if you're looking to cop that merch and look real fresh heading into your next event, no better way to do that than by rocking the tag team merchandise. And with that, we will catch you next time. Peace. See you.